Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Exodus chapter 31, we're going to read 11 verses of Scripture from the New King James today. Are you ready? Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him. What did he do? He filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, in all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works, working gold and silver and bronze, and cutting jewels for setting and carving, wood, and to work all manner of workmanship. Verse 6, And I indeed have appointed with him Oholiab, the son of Ahishamash. I love those names. The tribe of Dan. And I put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans. And they make all that I that they make all that I have commanded. Verse 7, the tabernacle of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the mercy seat that's on it, and all the furniture of the tabernacle, the table and its utensils, the pure gold lampstand and its utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with its utensils, and, its, and the laver and its base. Verse 10, the garments of ministry, the holy garments of Aaron, the priests of the garments of his son to minister as priests, verse 11, final verse, and the anointing oil and sweet incense for the holy place according to all that I have commanded, they shall do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you did in the first service, for what you're going to do now in this one. Move in great power, we pray in Jesus' name. And may we never be the same. Release all that's in your heart. We've not come for mere teaching and instruction. We have come, Lord, to receive from you truth that brings transformation. We've come to receive from you revelation that causes revolution. We've come to receive impartation from the throne of God. So speak using these lips of clay. Holy Spirit, have your way. We won't stop you. We won't hinder you. Every man, every boy, every woman, every child be brought low. And you be glorified and magnified in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in his presence comfortably. You know, when you think about God pouring out the Spirit or what we would call anointing someone, you might think like I did for a number of years that the anointing or the power of God would rest upon those in the ministry. And my view of that would be pastors, those with apostolic unction, prophets, teachers, those of the fivefold, those ministering in the church. And I had in my thinking a partition between church, spiritual, and secular. And I thought in terms of God's power being poured out in the church, but didn't so much think about that being poured out on a businessman, on a teacher, on a household technician, on a musician in the marketplace. I didn't think of it like that, but, but that really is what God's desire is. We're all called to be filled with the Spirit. I'm writing your notes, right in the notes now. We're all called to be filled with the Spirit. And our problem, I think, is for many, God, the Lord's helped me to change years ago now, 
Because how many of you know there's people in the marketplace that are being mightily used by God and they're not supposed to be pastors. They're not supposed to be in the church per se. They should go to church. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. But they're, they're anointed. They're endued. They're imbibed with the power of the Holy Spirit, even in politics, as teachers. How many of you want your kids taught by a teacher that has some unction, some power from God? Yeah. Investors, professors, students. There's coming a shift in the thinking of God's people to understand that he wants to pour out his spirit, not just in the house of the Lord, but everywhere you go, that where you go, that Jesus would go. And then in schools, how many of you know Wasilla High needs a move of God? How many of you know, how many know Colony needs a move of, move of God? How do you think that move of God's going to come? He's just going to hit it like a tidal wave and everybody just laid out and, and start worshiping and no, he's going to send you. He sends the likes of his people in to preach, to declare, to proclaim, to live a life of holiness and purity and power. We're all called to be filled, but we need to not separate the spiritual from the natural, and we have a tendency to do that. We're all called to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be leaders, to lead. What God's intention for us is that we would be filled with this Spirit and then we would build his kingdom. Let me come down a little closer and just say God's plan is for him to put his power on you that you would then, yeah, in church, absolutely, but outside of church, that you would be in power, that you would be equipped, that everywhere you go, John G. Lake would look at himself in the mirror. He'd adjust his suit, fix his tie, and he would say to himself in the mirror, you can read this in some of his books, he says, I'm looking into a God man. God lives on the inside of me. Everywhere I go, God goes. That's how he thought. That's God's plan that when you go to your high school, he's with you. When, you, when, you, when you're at home and you're, and, you're, and you're making fixings for your babies, he's with you. When you're in the university, when you're counseling someone, when you're, when you're helping and investing or teaching, whatever you do, when you're turning a wrench, when you're up on the slope, that you would have a revelation that God's in you. Why? Why? To build his kingdom, to build his house, to see people saved, to see people healed. Come on, you're the only Jesus some people will ever see. And people lose track of that. That's God's plan. We are a church. It has nothing to do with the building. It's the people. Let's look at this text. Now understand, as we look at this, it's a type and a shadow of the greater things to come. But the text is talking about the building of the tabernacle in the wilderness, a place, a tent that God would come and visit his people in, would have an altar. It's, it's, it's unique in many ways. And there's, there's a problem. Well, God wants to dwell among his people, but there's a problem. What's the problem? Well, people are sinful and God isn't. Sin separates you from God back then and today. And so God gives this design to Moses, this tabernacle, downloads to him the, the exact dimensions. Moses didn't have an idea of how it'd be. He knew how it'd be. God spoke to him. And he assembles these people to build this tabernacle. And there were some unique challenges. One unique challenge is... It had to be portable, had to be, had to be able to be moved. It wasn't something that would have foundations that had to be folded up, put away, and moved. Whenever the pillar of cloud would move, 
that they'd pack up, it's time to go. When the, the pillar of fire would move, it's time to go, time to move. How many of you know that God is doing great things in the earth and you've got to move with the cloud, as we say? Hold it. How many of you know Amazing Grace is, is still one of my favorite songs? Okay, it's not cutting-edge worship today for this generation. It's still cutting-edge for me. You keep singing hymns right now, you just might miss a whole move of God. Amazing. What a great song that was. Amazing. You can use it. How many of you know Amazing Grace was cutting edge at one point? It's still packed with amazing truth, as are much of the hymns. But God has moved on. There's new things that are happening. New things. Anyway, this had to be movable. It was, it, whenever it was built, it had to be movable. It had to reflect the reality of heaven and man's condition. Heaven, holiness, purity, man's condition, sin. It had to reflect that, and it did, by the way in which it was built. The holy of holies, separated from the holy place, separated from the outer courts. Really quite amazing. It had to reflect who God is and what he desires to do. God is holy, and he desires to dwell amongst his people. The same as is true today. God wants to dwell among his people. So how do you, how do you build something for God? Now, in application to Exodus, how were they to build something for God? Well, I would say this. It takes God to build something for God. It takes God to live for God. In your own life, how many of you know, as much as you might try or white-knuckle it, you can't raise the dead. You can't heal the sick. But with God, all things are Nothing is impossible. You can use anything, Lord. Can we, maybe we could work a deal. I could travel with you or something. No. So God wants to use you to, to build his kingdom. And that's the New Testament application of this, these verses. How do you build something for God? It, it takes God to do that. The, the tabernacle symbolizes many things. This tent in the wilderness where God would come and the holiness of God would meet the sinfulness of man on an altar. The sprinkling of blood and this whole sacrificial system is a type and a shadow of the final sacrifice, the final Adam. Sin came into the world through one Adam and left through the last Adam for those who would believe upon him. In John 1 and 14, it tells us, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt is the same word for tent of meeting in Exodus 33, 7. Wow. In other words, when Jesus came fully God, fully man, he tabernacled among us, says John 2, 19, John 21. And we are the temple of his body. Wow. Kind of amazing. If you look at what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and 16, it says, we are the temple of the living God. Come on, say, I am the temple of the living God. That's if you've repented and received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That would make you the temple. If you hadn't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to remedy that by the end of the service. In Ephesians 2 and 22, in whom you were also being built together for a dwelling place, that word there, dwelling place of God in the Spirit, the word there is nios. See, literally, we are his temple. He comes to take up residence on the inside of us. And then when we come together, we are the dwelling place of God by the Spirit. So that when we're meeting here right now, this is not just a little patty cake for Jesus. 
In fact, Jesus called us the ecclesia. It's a word for, for a legislative body that would be called out. It's a, it's a legal term. They would be called out, and when they voted for something, it became law in the Roman world. He used the word ecclesia for the church. Why? Because that's who we are. We're the dwelling place of God by the Spirit. And when we meet, when we pray, when we take action, the blind have their eyes open. The deaf have their ears on stop. The, the mute speak. The lame walk. The dead are raised. Come on, the, the, the addicted and the afflicted are set free. We're the dwelling place of God by the Spirit. That's God's plan. That's God's intention. Wow. How do you build something for God? Well, it takes God to build something for God. It's a reflection of what he, what he wants to do, what he desires to do. Come on, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Just ask God to touch you right now. Holy Spirit, move in power right now. Mark us. Speak to us. Hallelujah. The first thing in this text here is you see that God calls someone to build it. Verse 2. See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. God chose him. Now, when I was studying this, I couldn't help but think about John 15 and verse 16. It says, I've chosen you. Come on, say, I'm chosen. I've chosen you and appointed you. And while I'm meditating and thinking and praying about that and studying, I get a text from somebody who used to come to our church that lives in the middle part of America now. And he texts me and says, we're having a theological debate about being chosen by God because there's those that are here that say that God chooses some and doesn't choose others. So what about that predestination? What about all that? Listen, God is, the, he's the alpha and omega. How many of you know he knows what's going to happen at the end? But it is his will that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. The thing is, is that you have to choose him. Now, in the end, does he know who's going to choose him and who isn't? Well, of course, because he is the end. He's already there. He's already seen it. But he makes way. He makes, he makes opportunity for you and I to align our will with the truth of his redemption that's purchased by the, come on, by the blood of Jesus. You have to make a decision to live for him. But he's choosing you. He's pointing out to you right now. And he's saying, I want you. I want you, son. I want you, my daughter. You have to say yes. Somebody who's to offer you a ride to Anchorage today. You needed to get into Anchorage, but you didn't get in the car? You ain't going. He chose me. He appointed me. Right here, John 15, verse 16. I've chosen you. Come on, say, God chose me. God appointed me. Say that. God appointed me. You're under the sound of my voice. That's you. You say, what about, what about the sons of Cain? That's not you. If you can hear me right now, it's not you. All right? You're chosen. God loves you. Repent. Amen. And God fills him. Look at verse 3. I have filled him with the Spirit of God and wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all manner of workmanship and design and artistic works to work gold. God fills him. God fills him with the Spirit. Verse 3. Now, you know, on our building project, this has been happening. This has been taking place on our build with those that are on the inside. Wally, uh, who was online in our last service, sends his love and greetings to all of you. He just so enjoyed the message and the video, which you're about to see is so powerful. He tells us and has been telling me God would wake him up. And we've been in our project for about five years, if you consider the purchase of the land, the start of it. Five years. God wakes him up in the middle of the night and he changes things. 
He makes it, come on, engineers, you know what engineers do? They do engineering. And so the Lord would speak to him. Our, our Wally is like a Bezalel. God would speak to him in the night, show him things. He'd wake up, contact the engineer, give them ideas. And they changed engineering and saved us millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. Really remarkable. And then there's a, another man that's now a part of our, our team. His, his name is Jerry. And God has been waking him up for months, showing him things, releasing plans to him. You know, God wakes me up in the night. I was woken up repeatedly through the night last night. God's showing me things, showing me leaders, showing me people, teaching, teaching me what to pray for, how to preach, what to say, how to do it. Come on, God wants to wake you up in the night. And not just in the night. He can give you visions during the day. He can give you a plan. He can speak to you about your marriage that needs some help. Usually it's about you, dude, being more Christ-like. Amen. And all the wives said, Right, I don't ask the men to say amen anymore because they just left me with crickets last time. They ain't doing that again. I tried that before. They didn't work. Just, just ran, the, ran me over with the bus. We need God to have a healthy marriage. How many of you know it takes God to raise a godly child? Yeah, it takes God and it takes insight. I can take the rest of the service to testify to you about how God spoke to me, how God showed me things in his word and ways in which I was to help my daughter move forward or, or do things, the way in which my son was to, was to move forward. He wouldn't even be playing the drums today if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, God could use me and somehow spoke to me, got through this. Sometimes our hearing is clogged at nine years old. We didn't have a drummer. He said, Dad, I can do it. I said, that's nice, son. You, sure you can. Amen. You know, we're going to have a service. You don't have practice drummers in services. I'm just telling you, if you don't know that, ask Pastor Jones. He'll tell you. You don't have, the drummer can jack up a whole service. Wrong tempo. It sounds horrible. It hurts everybody. And people will be running for their lives out the back of the church. So I said, that's nice. And so I'm thinking, well, we don't have a drummer. He said, Dad. I can do it. And so I'm like, no, you can't. But I didn't say that. I was like, I'm thinking it. And I just thought, Jesus. And the Lord speaks to me and says, how do you know if he can't, how do you know I'm not touching him to drum? I'm like, I don't know that. Then let him try. I thought, okay. I mean, what's the worst thing? It's a crash and burn and we have to pull him off the drums, right? I let him play. Minister Mike was on the keys. We put him back there. Minister Mike and him had some conversation. When I go like this, you play. I don't know what he said. My son went back and played the drums for the first time with the band and played with builds and transitions and has been our main lead drummer. And God's, since then, and God's bringing other amazing musicians and drummers, stew and different ones. It's a miracle. God wants to speak to you. Why? To build his kingdom, to build his, his kingdom in your life, in your family. And he'll give you dreams. The Holy Spirit will come on, on you. God will fill you with his spirit just like Bezalel. I mean, that's kind of overwhelming. Look at verse 6. And indeed, I have appointed him a holy lab. A holy lab. A holy lab. I got it. The son of a Hishamash. So he gives craftsmen and he puts the power of God on him. God also anoints helpers. Verse uh, 34 of chapter 35. We didn't read that, but you see that there's these helpers that are anointed also. And then he gives them the ability to teach others. Verse 34 of chapter 35 to get the whole composite picture. Let me read it to you. 
And he's given both him and Aholiab, the son of Ahishmash, the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. In other words, God is going to give you the ability and the gift. And not only that, he'll anoint you. He'll put a spirit on you to help you to teach other people. Now, I think I've got a guide here somewhere. All right, here we go. You know what this is? It's a guide. This is like, you remember the TV guide? Okay, if you do, you're over 40 or 50 years old. This is our church guide, all right? This will be available online. It's available by, by print now. You can open it up and see all our different life groups. We're starting out our whole spring life group. It's our spring life group rollout, spring life groups and teams, worship team, youth team, so on and so forth. There's all kinds of teams, children team. There's all kinds of teams. It's a cool way of saying ministries. I'm trying to stay relevant here. You can get one of these. And, and, and use it to resource yourself. I, I think I said in the first service, but I'll say again, I didn't know Jack when I first came in. And, uh, and Brother Jones was telling me, I remember you, you running around the church, you are half crazy when I first met you. <laughs> but I got involved in a, in a team. I was in a choir. Come on, Brother Toby. That was the first thing I ever did was in a choir. And I sang, and I loved it. And I was with Karen. We weren't married just yet. And then... And then eventually, I started going to a life group, a small group, a, a, a Bible study in someone's home because my mother made me. My mother drugged me. My mother drugged me. My mother drugged me to church and to the life group. Now, I wouldn't have an option. I lived with my mom when I was in my, in my 20s, and, and uh, you know, I didn't have a job. I didn't have anything. I didn't have, I didn't have a bike. My bike didn't even work. I had to get rides from mom. You know, it just wasn't cool. It's kind of cool now, but, not, but it wasn't cool for me right then. I don't, still don't think it's cool. I'm just saying, amen. Praise God. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. And I went to a, a life group because my mother made me. And Ken Gable, some of you know who that is. He was the first pastor of this church. This church wasn't, wasn't birthed, wasn't planted just yet. He was my life group leader, and I was a nightmare. How do you know it's God's word? That's written by man. You know, I mean, I had everything to say about everything. And they were patient with me, and they taught me, and they discipled me. I, listen, I'd had, I was just, I, need, I had a lot of issues when I first came here. I didn't know how to handle my money. I certainly didn't know how to be in healthy relationships. I had no boundaries. I was wounded. I had a father wound. I had rejection. I had all kinds of stuff. I had life-controlling problems. I was like a gerbil on a wheel that couldn't get off. But I received Jesus, and he came, and he filled me with his spirit. And I got involved, and I started getting discipled. Now, this is a long time ago. This is not like last week. And I became the assistant to, to uh, Ken Gable, Ken and Jenny, and eventually he became a pastor and planted this church about, about four years after that. And within a three-year period of time, becoming a life group leader, I was made a pastor and started pastoring. I'm just saying, it was just totally a miracle. Now, that's just my story. I'm telling you, we have resources that you need to plug in and use. Come on, be a part of these things. You, you can, you know, I didn't know how to raise children. I'm still learning. Amen. I didn't know how to have a healthy marriage. I learned how to do that. Took classes like Growing Kids God's Way. Yeah, I thought kids just normally swept off coffee tables at people's houses and screamed and threw fits. And that was just a part of raising children. Then I realized after I was discipled a little bit, that's how to raise somebody who'll have a prison ministry later on. And so we got married before we had kids. We, we literally took a survey in the church, Pastor Karen and I, 
And we looked around and said, okay, we don't want that. Those are like little hellions. God help them right over there. Well, we want that. Look at those kids. Filled with joy, worshiping in church, loving. Yeah, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. I understand they're still kids, but there was something that was, they were happy. They had boundaries. They, and I thought, I want that. That happened to be Pastor Brian's family. So I, we, I literally went up to him and said, I want to know how you do that. He said, oh, you need to be a part of my life group. I said, okay, when is it? Thursday. I said, dude, I'm leading a life group on Thursday. He says, well. So what I would do is I'd trim my life group up, have a great life group, jump in my car, race to his life group, and finish his life group on the tail end. And I learned how to, I learned how to be a father through a program called Growing Kids God's Way. And if you know my kids, they serve the Lord. They serve God. They love God. Now, I know you can do all of that, and then they can get defiled, and things can go wrong. But be a part of, of, of receiving. We have amazing leaders. These guys, Aholiab and uh, what's his name? Bezidel, thanks. They taught. Come on, get, get plugged in. Grow in God. Become a disciple. Come on, someone say amen. amen. The key was in verse 2 of our text, the key was their willingness Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab and every skilled person whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. Willing. Willingness is a key. Everyone whose heart, the, the Greek word there, uh, pardon me, the Hebrew word there is a, is, is, a, is a word for heart being stirred. Willingness. You know, without a heart that's stirred towards the things of God, you're going to have a problem. I tried to do arm-twisting discipleship. It doesn't work too good. It's amazing to me that God would entrust to us, would entrust to man, would entrust to women, mankind, the greatest job of preaching the gospel, of building his kingdom. Can you say, wow? All right, the ramifications of this passage are huge. One, God can do the same thing today that he did back then. But of course, we're not building a tabernacle uh, like in the wilderness, but we are building the kingdom. And he's chosen you, he's called you, he's appointed you, and he'll, he'll equip you, he'll help you to become a teacher and to teach others and even your family. God wants to use you. Come on, say God wants to use me. And he can do the same thing. Stop compartmentalizing the Holy Spirit. If you're a student, the Holy Spirit wants to move at your school. If you're a teacher, if you're a household technician, if you're a doctor, a lawyer, you're, you're, if, you're a, if, you, if you're a plumber, an electrician, you work up on the slope, you're turning wrenches, whatever you do, God wants to put his power on you to release his kingdom. A preacher, a baker, a candlestick maker. <laughs> Bezalel is said to be 13 years old. That's amazing. That's what rabbinic scholars say. Well, don't, se don't, don't separate God from your life. You live for him here and you live for him out there. God desires his presence to be seen in every area of your life. And that's why he raises up leaders. How many of you know we need anointed politicians? How many of you know we need anointed people in the media? I'll say that again. How many of you know we need anointed people that tell the truth in the media? How many of you know teachers? 
on and on. We need God's power upon us. You know how God's going to change Wasilla? He puts his power on the likes of you and me. That everywhere you go, it'd be like Jesus going. Everywhere that you go, when you speak words of faith, when you lay hands on the sick, you'll see them recover. These signs will follow them that believe in my name. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They'll speak with new tongues. Nothing by any means will harm them. God has called us to build his kingdom. Can you say yes? All right. Two things to make us succeed or help us to succeed in that one, a willingness, as I said, a stirred heart. And the other thing is to be trustworthy. In chapter 36 of Exodus, it says, they received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. When? Morning after morning. So can you imagine Bezalel? He's not only willing, and he not only has his dreams, he's trustworthy. What does that mean? Well, if Bezalel was, what, what, what are they bringing? They're bringing gold, they're bringing silver, they're bringing fabric, they're bringing all kinds of things to build this tabernacle. Where did they get it from? Egyptians. They plundered Egypt. You go study that out. Where did they get the gold nose rings and the, all the rings on their finger? Where did they get all of that stuff? From the Egyptians. They ripped them off at the word of the Lord. The Lord said, just go and rip off everybody. He didn't quite say it that way. He said, just go and ask for all of their gold. And the, gold, and the Egyptians were like, take it and leave for God's sake. And so they took it and they, and they left. And in that way, they plundered Egypt. So that's what they're now giving. And, and Bezalel is not only willing, he was trustworthy. One, I love how the fact that he was trustworthy and didn't make up his own plan of how it should work. I've seen people like that. I'm just going to serve God the way I want to. No, you love God according to God's plan. You, if you love God, you'll obey his word. So he has a prescribed way of loving him. And he's like, well, you know my heart. Yes, he knows your heart. Deceitfully wicked black above all else, says Jeremiah. So yeah, you don't serve God like, yeah, no, I just can get high and serve the Lord. Yeah, where do you show me that scripture? It's in Genesis, every green herb. He ain't smoking poison sumac, isn't that right? It's an issue of, it's an issue of intoxication. Anyway, just thought I'd throw that in for all of you that are addicted to smoking dope. It's free, bonus. If you have a problem with that, you just want to see Pastor Jones, his email is. <laughs> willing and trustworthy. Everybody say trustworthy. So all the gold would come in. Can you imagine if while they're putting the gold in, Abezil's like... Oh, wow. I really like that one. That's going to look good on Mrs. Bezalel's finger. <laughs> what do you got there? Nothing. It's <laughs> fine. He was trustworthy. He was what? He was trustworthy. If you can't be trusted with more, if come on, if you be faithful in the little things, he makes you ruler over. And that's not just now, that's in the age to come. If you can't be trusted with unrighteous mammon, if you can't be trusted with the time that's given you now, you think you're going to be given more? And do you think you'll be elevated in the age to come? Listen, I'm living for another age. This is a 70-year internship, 80, 90, 120 for me. I don't know how long you're going to live. It's an internship. And after that, you're going to go on to do the real thing. This is all a test. This is a test. 
Are you trustworthy? And I wonder if we were evaluated solely on how we handled money, if we would be, how well our evaluation would be. In Exodus 36, 3 and 5, look at this. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled workers who were doing the work of the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses. So they had to stop work and they come into Moses and they're like, the people are bringing more than enough from doing the work the Lord has commanded to be done. Then Moses gave the order and they sent word throughout the camp, no man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained. They were restrained. You ever been in restraints? I hope not. But, but that's, what that's, that's what that's saying. They were stopped. They were restrained from bringing more. I believe that's going to happen. That when, when we get a revelation of how God wants to bless us, back to Malachi in chapter 3 and 8 and following, that, if, that he wants to bless us so much that we, that we get a revelation of sowing and reaping, that, that we just will continually want to pour into what God wants to do in the earth. Can you say amen? amen? And the blessing of God, they had to be restrained. They had to be stopped. I've got to give this. Nope, I'm sorry. You can't. I have to. No. Is it? Maybe that will happen here someday. And lastly, we've got to be willing to pass on what God has given us to this next generation. So let me summarize very quickly. God's called us to build his kingdom in our own lives as well as corporately. That the nations of the world would receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and he's anointed us, he's put his spirit on us to do it. Not just in the church, not just in missions, but every, wherever we're working, his power would rest upon us to bring his kingdom. Amen. Don't compartmentalize. And that he's called you, he's chosen you. Come on, say, I'm chosen. I'm chosen and I'm appointed. That's a legal term. I am appointed. It's a... You would appoint a, uh, an officer, maybe. You're appointed by God to bear forth fruit and fruit that remains. And, and there has to be a willingness in your heart. In fact, if there's a desire, a stirring in your heart, he's calling you. And, and you've got to be trustworthy. Not do it according to your plan. Do it according to his plan. And trustworthy with our time, with our talent, with our treasure. And they built this tabernacle. It's amazing. And not just that teaching people and they got to pass on to the next generation. Teach your children, teach your sons and daughters about the miracles that are taking place. Teach them about what God's done for you. Teach them about the power of God. Declare to them the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. Share with them when you need a breakthrough in your life, in your family. Let, let kids be a part of the miracle around your home. And you don't have to share the full weight of maybe your financial burden or whatever the thing is, but you can, you can, don't, you don't want to overburden children. I had to learn that. They, they can't carry everything, but they can understand that, that your family needs a breakthrough. You know, Uncle John, he's in trouble. We need to pray for him. You know, he needs a breakthrough. And you begin to pray. And you're getting, pray for Uncle John. Come on. And, 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 then when, and when Uncle John gets a miracle... You tell them, and like, they can see this. And they grow up with this understanding that God hears and answers prayer. And, and, and fill your house with worship. Pass on to the next generation. 
We can change this state. We can change this nation. You can change your family. God's power is available for you to build his kingdom. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? All right. I think I'll show you the video now. I want you to see this video. Uh, it was put together by Minister David and media department. Did an excellent job. Thank you, Minister David, and all who worked so hard on that. And you're going to begin to see a rolling out of, uh, of media, social media, different things, website. Things are coming together. Uh, there's new banners and posters and all kinds of things to just bring the awareness of what God's doing through what we're calling Project Zach. That is our building project. That's what our seed is now going to be called, Project Zach, and it's going to go directly to that. This video will, will blow your mind and will fully update you on where we are as a church in the building of our new brand new facility, which we will move in by... Right. And... Uh, Every three weeks to a month, maybe less, we'll give you an update of where we're at, what's happening, and it's just going to be amazing. God has done so many miracles already. We have to write the book about it. It's, it's supernatural. Wonderful. Would you go ahead and let that video play, please? Project Zach is the name of our building project. Let me tell you how we came up with that. Uh, years ago, before we moved up here, God gave me an open vision. And in that open vision, he spoke to me and said, in the same way that there's a pipeline from the North Slope to Valdez, so there is going to be a pipeline of my power. The golden oil of Zechariah would flow to the state of Alaska and I've called you to be a part of it. And so I didn't even know what the golden oil of Zechariah was when we found out. Zechariah chapter four is about the building of the house of God and this golden oil of Zechariah that flow from godly leaders and it's so profound. So there's much more to that, but that's where Project Zech comes from. You know, we've been here for, in the valley as a church for about 20 years. God has done amazing things in pouring out his spirit. And uh, when we got here, myself and my wife, about 13 years ago, the church is about 20 to 30 people. Since then, now we're about 1,200. And the building we're in, <laughs> we use the entire thing seven days a week. We have uh, really used this facility and now it's time to move and uh, this facility will help us to continue to grow, to reach the lost, to minister to God's people, to, to reach the community, and to continue to plant churches and fulfill the vision that he's given us. The vision of King's Cathedral and Chapels is to be one church in many locations, to, uh, to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ everywhere that God calls us to. And uh, years ago, it started, of course, in Maui. From there, it went out to numerous islands and has continued to expand over these now 40 years at this recording. 
And that's astounding. What we've seen happening here in Alaska is God creating another hub uh, of strength, uh, of leadership and resource to plant more churches and to reach more people. That is what Kings is all about. To experience life with people, power, purpose. God's called us to get the harvest in and now is the time to do it. How can you get involved in Project Zach? There's two ways. One, no matter where you are in the world, pray for us because we're making an impact in this region of the world. And this facility is going to help us to make even a greater impact. So would you pray? Number two, number two, give. Be a part of it. You know, it's amazing to me that God allows us these opportunities to give and then and accredits it to our account that's in heaven. Be a part of it no matter where you are. Be a part of the miracle of Project Zach and see the kingdom of God come, not only to Alaska, but to the nation, not only the nation, but to the nations of the world. Nations of the world. Now I wanna go over a couple things with you. Let me just go through this as I have it. I want each and every one to take one of these cards, a Project Zek giving card. And I also want you to have the Project Zek prayer card, okay? So everyone get one of those in the hands. Ushers, go ahead and work it. And while you're doing that, let me, let me share with you some things, some talking points here. First of all, how many of you, show of hands, you received the letter? Okay, so there's a whole bunch of you that didn't, Pastor Kirsten, would you kindly? The, we have these outside. Uh, this is a letter uh, from me to you, giving you a detailed update on our project. I had somebody say, does anybody even read this much anymore? And probably not. So you can skim it, but for those of you that want to read the whole thing, you can. And it's powerful. There's been a number of challenges that we've had to overcome, but here it is, full disclosure of where we're at. And that's very important that you understand where we're at. You know why? Because it's yours. It's ours. We're doing this together. And this will help you to understand the challenge that's before us. And how many of you know with God, nothing is impossible. Hallelujah. So if you, if you haven't gotten one of those letters, and you're interested and you'd like a copy of that. I understand people who come and they're like, I don't care about the village. I just want to hear the word. I'm glad. Keep coming. Praise the Lord. But there are many that have been along this journey now for about five years. And it's time to finish. I said, it's time to finish December 2020 with shouts of That comes from Zechariah 4. So let me briefly explain where we are and why we're building. First of all, we're building because we've just, we, we got no more room. There's no more, you can only get so much water in a bathtub. And there's thousands upon thousands and thousands of people that do not know Christ. There's 100,000 people within driving distance of this church, statistics, demographics say. 
if you were to say that there's 10% or 20% that actually go to church, and I, you do the math on that, but there's a whole lot of people that do not know Jesus, and that is why we're here. We're here to reach the harvest. We're here to declare Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, reach the lost, and disciple people, and plant churches all over the world. So that's why. We need a bigger facility, and everybody said amen. Uh, finishing the building 2020 with 100% payoff within three years or less. Now we've seen this. We're working with people that are helping us. Uh, Jerry, part of our church, probably on right now, uh, that have seen a $92 million building paid off three years after they moved. 90, I said $92 million building. That's not what ours is. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Paid off before they moved in in McLean, Washington. Okay, another church, it was uh, eight point whatever million and that was paid off before they moved in. All right. Our, our, build, our building, including the land, the land, was, the land we purchased for 1,060,000 and appraised for 3.9. Okay, that's called buying low, selling high, but it's not for sale. We got offered seven or nine million to sell. We're not selling the land. We built our building. We currently have in the building, and to finish phase one, is $8.2 million. That's what we have invested today. Everybody say 8.2. All right, in actual fact, it's just short of that. It's short by about $401,000, which is what we need immediately to get finished. The whole project, the whole project is $20.8 million. So in other words, 8.2, in order to finish it, we need $13.5 million. Now, before you freak out, some of you, some of you are like, hey, that's chump change. Praise the Lord, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> it's a challenge. But think about it this way. If 1,000 people gave $13,500 within a year, guess what that figures out to? $13.5 million, that's what that is. And so, listen, this is gonna happen supernaturally by all of us pulling together. I have friends of different people across the nation and in the nations that are watching what's happening here. We have someone that was so impacted. They don't even go to this church or part of some other ministry and they saw it and they're like, oh my gosh, Alaska is firmly positioned to bring a move of God. It's amazing. I want to sow in. They sent us a $50,000 check. I know that's a lot. I know that's a lot for some, but it's not a lot for others. And I'm challenging you. I'm calling you to build the house of God with me. And, and, and we're going to do this thing. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Let me tell you some more. It's all about souls. We're praying for donors who can match contributions. That's a common thing. Where people say, for every dollar that's given, I'll give up to, up to you know, $5 million. That's common. I'm praying for that. Maybe you're here today. God can do that. Amen. We're praying for the growth of the congregation, that we would grow, that we would double. We will not stop growing even though we're out of chairs. We'll add more services. We'll do whatever we need to do. That's why we're here. We're going to continue to grow. You're going to invite your friends. You're going to invite your neighbors. They're going to get saved. They're going to get filled with the Spirit. We'll add another service. and another. We'll do service seven days a week. I said, we'll do service. Don't worry because there'll be other worship teams. Some of you are like, What? Come on, we've got amazing team, amazing preachers, amazing power God. We're going to continue to grow over this next year. We're not going to let the limitation of our building limit us. We're going to think outside the box. Can you say amen? All right, I want you to take this card now, please, and uh, flip it out and peruse it. Take, a, take a look at that. Everyone can contribute something. The key is being willing. 
I've been, I've been giving my all and believing God, and I'll just, I'm gonna brag on the Lord and give Him all the credit. God put it in our heart to do. We, my wife and I, we give way beyond our tithe. Why? Because He spoke to me and said, "Son, if you don't sacrifice, how do you expect anybody else to sacrifice?" So we've been doing that for years. Hallelujah! And God has blessed us. You know, just a week ago. We knew that we wanted to do something significant for the Lord and didn't have it. You know, so you need to hear this. We didn't have it. We had some savings, but it wasn't, it wasn't the figure that God gave us in our prayer time. So I'm, I'm on Maui. My wife's back here. And I'm like, Lord, you supply seed for the sower. God, you supply seed. Do you understand that? Supernatural giving is not just looking at your paycheck. It's, it's believing God will supply supernaturally. And we have all kinds of testimonies of that already. And we'll begin to put those on video and encourage you. Everyone can give of their time. Everyone can give of their, ta- their, their talent. Everyone can give of their treasure, perhaps. You say, well, I don't have a job. You know, you start serving, you're going to have a job pretty quick. The principle of sowing and reaping. And anyway, the exact time, that I cried out for the Lord along with my wife in two separate places. God met our need and gave us significant seed to sow. So if he did it for the likes of this donkey, he can do it for you. I'm a spirit-filled, oh, oh, oh. I'm spirit-filled. You can use anything. You can use me. Ah! Are you crazy enough to believe that God will put it in your hand? Now, I'm just going to, let me be a transparent. Transparency. When that happened, I just thought, oh, God, you answered my prayer. Thank you, Lord. Maybe we could just give half. And then, and then you know I've got some, I'm like, you give me exactly what I wanted to give, God. I mean, I had to just shut that thing up. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? If you can, come on. I'm precious. You can't be trusted with it. You expect God's going to give it to you. You will not. And if you do and you break that sacred trust, I will tell you that's a scary thing. All right. Look at this card with me. It's going to be different campaigns that, that, that happen throughout the year. God is going to supernaturally do it. Many hands make light work. For all the Hawaiians, Lola Lima, I think is how you say it in that Hawaiian. Many hands make light work. You pray. You take this home today. Some of you have already got it. You're prepared to give and do something today. You pray and, and see how the Lord might use you. And again, we like saying it this way. If you get two numbers for giving for the next year or even up to three years, you get two numbers. One, the low one would be the devil. The high one's God. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> All right, look at, the, look at the card with me. So here we go. I declare by faith the support of the building. And if you're visiting with us and you're looking for a church, this is a great church. Don't be freaked out. Paul would constantly write, I'm coming to you to receive, receive an offering from you to help the, them in Jerusalem. There's nothing wrong with it. And uh, this is a great church. And if you're totally offended, just come at least two more times and, uh, and the Lord will heal you. Amen? Okay. I declare by faith and support for the building in the new facility of Kings, Alaska. Uh, moving, moving in December of this year, I've marked by faith my faith giving goal below. So phase one is 8.2 million. So we're, we're just, just about completed. We need 400,000 to move forward. And honestly, we need it today. But we believe, you know, you're going to pray. The Lord's already spoken to me. I'm going to do what God put on my heart and then provided for it supernaturally. But you, I want you to pray. You be in agreement. Don't just go, don't be moved emotionally by the video or by anything that's happening here. You, you, if anything, wait 
pray, talk to God, get in agreement with your spouse, and then, and then you, you give that maybe next week. Or you can give it during the, right there, column one. You can give a weekly gift, so some people are gonna give $10 a week, hallelujah. $10 times 52 weeks is $520. How many of you know that's awesome? How many of you know that buys a few sheets of She-Rock? How many of you know that? Yeah, every little bit counts and is sacred before the Lord. Come on, you can give your widow's mind and God will breathe on that thing and multiply it. And yeah, there's some that can give 2,000 a week, absolutely. You pray, what does God want you to do? We had one person say this, I could trade in my expensive vehicle and instead of making a huge payment, I'm gonna give that for the next year or for the next three years and see this thing happen. That's amazing. Another person says to me, Pastor, I've got some property up Connect. It's up Connect. It's worth some money, especially now. I've had it for years. I'm going to sell it and I'm going to sow it. I said, Praise the Lord. Let Him lead you, guide you. This card is not for us to call you and find out whether you're actually, hey, you didn't give your gift. How weird would that be? Nobody's going to know what you put on the card except a stewardship people that helps us. Because if we don't know, listen, if we don't know what our commitments are, it's going to be hard to plan out, all right? It's going to be hard to move forward, all right? Money don't grow on trees. How many of you know, how many of you know, we've got all the money? I said, we got all the money. Yes, it's in all of our pockets. And he's going to help us. And there's thousands of others. It's not just us. Don't be overwhelmed. You be full of faith. When you think about the fact that that thing stands there right now and you knew all the details, it's absolutely a miracle. All right, so 52 weeks, you can do the math on that. You can do a special gift, column three. Look at column three right here on the screen. Column three, there's a special gift. Now, the final gift amount on that is 100000 but you can give more than that. And there are people that can do that. Amen. Come on, say a better amen. And then other gifts, property, labor. We've had people that say, you know, I want to give of my labor. Great, we need your help. Not in this phase just yet, but soon. And we'll, we'll be doing volunteer things, a lot of it. Purchase supplies, vehicles, equipment, assets. Do you know that we've had, this has happened many times in this church. We've had people that put the church as a receiver of, uh, of resources in the will. So when they passed away, they left the church and, they, and they, they detailed it. This is for church planting. We've had that happen many, many times. And we use those resources to plant and to grow. So God wants to use you. God wants to use me to build his kingdom to finish this building. We need it because there's thousands that need the Lord. There's a school, a ministry school and Come on, what great revival is headed our way. Can you say amen? All right. If you want to fill that out, some of you got this in the mail or got it through email. And if you're ready to give that, great. Ushers, would you bring the buckets up front? If you're not ready, I don't want you to do anything. You pray. If you haven't prayed through and you haven't heard the word of the Lord yet, go get it. Go take a week. Go take two weeks if you need to. And you pray. And when you're ready, fill that out. I'm not going to belabor this. So every, you know what I mean? Do you know what the word belabor is? Not going to come here and constantly talk about the money for the project. Not going to do that. Because that, you know, just right up front, just make sure they're equidistant. Very good. 
because you, that's not good for church growth. We're going to believe that God's going to talk to you, and we'll give you updates every three weeks, every every month. I'll update you on what, what commitments came in. Again, we need $401,000 to finish this next phase and move on into uh, phase two. God is our source of supply. He supplies seed for the sower. Can you imagine if you prayed, God, if you just double my business, then I'll just go ahead and give you a whole big, would you double my business? And you know what'll happen? That's exactly what'll happen if you can be trusted with it. And all of a sudden you begin to see all this income flowing and supernatural provision. And people will have to be, stop, stop, stop. We don't need any more. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? Come on, stand up on your feet and say hallelujah. Come on, say a better hallelujah. Woo! We're in the midst of a great miracle. Let me pray again. Take this home. Pray over it. Turn it in over the next week or so if you're able to. If you don't want to do anything, awesome. That's between you and Jesus. But if you're stirred, be a part of it. Fill the card out to help us plan where we're headed and what we're going to build according to what we can bring in and what we can do. A lot of amazing things that will be happening over the next year. If you have ideas of how to release money, I want to hear that. Resources. Ideas of how to release creativity. If you have ideas, we want to hear it. Pastor Kirsten, and myself, the team, will apply that. It's going to be an amazing year of wonders. Can you say amen? Reach your hands towards our building project. Pastor Kirsten, lead us in prayer as we declare it. Come on, you ready? Amen. Father, we extend our hands and we make declaration today that you're going to do wonders and miracles among us. We step out in faith today, laying hold of your promises that you could use us in the same way that you released miracle resource to build your house. God, that you would do it again through us, oh God. We make declaration today. Would you use us? Would you give us the opportunity to do something great for you, to do something extravagant for you? Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.